Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on what time you're hearing this. Uh, Caleb here, and uh, welcome back to my podcast. Um, I know it's been very hard for me to do these weekly um, since it's been a month since the last one and like a couple months uh, between the last one and the one before that. Uh, you know, I'm a college student, I'm a part-time missionary, and it's it's hard to do this uh, every week, but you know, we're making it work, praise God. And uh, we're going we're gonna to keep making it work because that's all we can do. But um, yeah, thanks for tuning in today. Um, hope everyone's week is going well, and I'm so excited for today because today is part five of our series called The Christian Lifestyle. And today we're going to be talking about a big one, a very big one. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of reading the word. Um, and honestly, I just want to jump right into it. So uh, if you have your Bibles or if you're on the Bible app, so maybe turn on or go to your Bibles to uh, let's go to the Gospel of Luke to chapter four, one through 13. Um, you could just follow along. <laughs> it's so weird because I'm I'm like I'm so used to now to when I preach uh, to be in front of people and just waiting for them to open their Bibles. But I'm on a podcast, so uh, things work differently. But um, anyway, so in Luke chapter four, we're going to start in verse one. It says this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were and then when they <laughs> ended, he was hungry. Sorry, there's a typo there. Or I don't know. Uh, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Uh, before we get into the interpretation, when I said there was a typo, I didn't mean in the Bible. Um, I have this on my notes, so maybe there was a typo somewhere that I put on accident, so that's why there's a mistake. But anyways, so so with this story, uh, this is another story of Jesus demonstrating what we do. Uh, in certain situations when they come our way. And uh, in this story, we're given a scenario of when we're in the desert, and which Jesus is showing here because at, this is this is after he got baptized by uh, John the Baptist. Is God, the, the Spirit, it says the Spirit led him straight into the desert, which when we feel like we're on we're, we're doing good, like we're on a spiritual high, the, enemy, uh, the Spirit is just going to take us straight into the desert. Because that's where the real test comes. It's not when we're at our high, but how we, but how we pursue God when we're in the desert. And this story is an example of that. And it was very, it was very easy for the enemy to come to Jesus in the desert to tempt him. But if you notice throughout this passage we just read, though Jesus was tempted, he did not sin. And being tempted is not a sin. 
as Jesus was tempted as well. But why? It's because temp- what temptation really is, is it's an enticement. It's the enemy trying to entice us, or another word is to lure us into following the desires of the flesh. It's basically like um, if you were trying to trap maybe an animal, like you're trying to catch, like if you were trying to catch your dog and because he wasn't coming, the way you lure him over here is by getting the treat. Trying to be like, hey, buddy, come here. And then, boom, you got him, you know. Um, and that's an example of what exactly temptation is. Is the enemies trying to use things that our flesh is attracted to because our flesh is is uh, it follows the it follows the desires of the flesh, which it says in Ephesians two one through three, which you're about to go to come to. Um, and so that that my point is that it's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin when we give in to that temptation. Because uh, I heard it the other day in a podcast that said what temp- what sin really is, is living life outside of God and determining for yourself what is, what is right, what is wrong. And that's exactly what humanity has done uh, since the beginning of time, especially in today's time. You could see that the world supports things that are not what Jesus says is right, you know? And in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And this verse, like I said, it talks about who we were before we were being saved and how and how we're now being made into a new creation. We were creatures who were following the desires of our flesh willingly because the enemy uh, knew and knew, knew that our flesh was attracted to sin and therefore was using sin to, to lure us in, which is what he was trying to do with Jesus. But of course, because Jesus doesn't live by the flesh, he didn't give in. And now that we're set free by the grace of God and made new again, we now have the chance to do what Jesus said to do, which is said in Matthew 16, 24. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And for me, this verse just uh, captures what the true difference between being a so-called Christian and being a, a true disciple of Christ really is. While a Christian may just only believe in the gospel, a disciple actively pursues Jesus with their life and denies or dies to their old self and being made new into a child of the living God. Maybe a lot of us are Christians, but aren't disciples. So how do we learn to become disciples? So in Psalms um, 119, 9 through 11, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what I get from this passage, from this part of the psalm, is that this is a guide to how we should live our lives. What It's the Bible, God's holy word. And today I want to just explore really quickly three ways that God is able to transform us into a disciple with the holy word. So number one, the word helps us to grow our relationship with the Lord. Um, I once heard uh, evangelist Nick Brent once say, people want to run after encounter with God, 
but they don't want to run after the book, which is the real encounter. In Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So through that verse, uh, what this scripture is it says is it's making it clear it's making it clear that God doesn't want us to be like safe slaves to him. He wants more. He wants relationship with us. This is why he created us, like we talked about in all the other episodes. And reading the Bible is how we grow that relationship because it's not just praying where we talk to him. We need to listen to him. Like the last episode when I talked about listening to the voice of God, one of the things I mentioned was the importance of reading the word, which is what we're talking about today. And this is why reading the Bible and prayer go hand in hand with each other. Because while prayer for us is mainly us talking, reading the word is part of of not just reading, but listening to the words that God has already spoken to us. We read of God's nature, we his promises, and we learn to pursue him more than just reading. Not, not just reading the stuff, but to also demonstrate his character in our daily lives. And to do that, it's essential that we're constantly in his word. And why we need to be constantly in his word? John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Like I said, Jesus doesn't ask for us to follow a set of rules. He asks for us to pursue a relationship with him and get to know him and love him. Because out of that love is where obedience flows from. And the more we grow our relationship with the Lord by being constant in the word and in prayer, the more we grow to be like him in, in our everyday life. So number two, the second way that uh, God uses the word to transform us is that the word helps to equip us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him in them. Though we discuss how Jesus wants relationship with us, he also has plans for us, plans to use us for his glory. But he's not just going to send anyone at any time. Like, would you would you just send your little brother who's who's in elementary school to do a job for you? No, because he's not developed completely. And no no disrespect to little brothers. I have a little brother myself who's in elementary and he's goaded. <laughs> but uh, anyways, is just like that, in order to accomplish the plans that God has set for us to do, we need to be trained. We need to be equipped. We need to be growing. And this is why it's, it also says in 2 Timothy, Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it's, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for training, for reproof, for a correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what is it saying? It's saying it straightforward. God is training us. And he mainly does it when we're going through storms in our lives. However, it's easy to get through a storm and not learn anything and instead complain. But when we're actively in the word and grasping what God is constantly trying to tell us through his word, he's able to teach us. He's able to correct us. He's able to train us through the hardest of times so that we may be ready for the plans that he has for us. And this leads us to the final point. Is that the word helps us to know right from wrong. Morality is, morality itself is, the whole concept of what morality is, it proves itself, it proves God's existence. It's, it's one of the main arguments for apologetics, for, to argue for the existence of God. 
because everyone, for example, everyone knows that murder is wrong. Everyone knows stealing is wrong. Everyone knows lying is wrong. And you can go to jail for those things. But how are they wrong? Like, who tells us that they're wrong? Like, easily, like, if someone who didn't believe in God, like, arrested us for something, and we, we can honestly tell them, like, straight up, how is this wrong? How do we know it's wrong? And the reason, uh, it says in Romans 2, 15, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. It's saying that the law is written on our hearts. So even someone who doesn't believe in God, they know it deep down in their heart that sin is wrong. But of course, they follow anyway because their flesh decides to ignore the spirit. Because like it says is in the Bible, it says the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this is proof that God is the creator of the universe and humanity because he established morality and right from wrong. Because anything that is outside of God, that is not is outside of God's nature, is sin. And it's the Bible says that we were created in God's image. So therefore, the law is already written on, is written in, into our nature, into our DNA. Like we know that sin is wrong. And when we're stuck on something and we want to know what the Lord thinks about something, the Bible has those answers because they are the words of God. So I'm going to conclude here is, I hear a lot of people ask, why should we believe in a book that was written by man? Second Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God used man to translate his words into a book that we can properly read and understand what he wants to speak to us. On, our, on a daily basis. So yes, men did write it, but they were not, the words were not their own. God was using them to translate to us in the most basic way possible that we can understand what God wants to say to us in every situation, in every moment of our lives. So let's let's close out in prayer. So Father God, we just thank you we just thank you for the word. We just thank you that the word is the most basic way that we can hear you, that we could hear what you have to say about things. We just thank you that you are holy, Lord God, that no one is like you, that anything outside of you is wrong. Thank you because that makes you the highest of all kings, of all rulers, of all princes, Lord. And thank you that you, the king of kings, of every king, in this universe, we get the privilege to be called the son of, the son of the most high king. We love you, and we just ask that you would continue to help the word dwell into our hearts, that we may actively study it and hear what you have to say every day. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Um, hope to see you next time for part six of our series. Have a great day. God bless you.